is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Robert Woods caught two touchdowns last year. Lamar Jackson threw 36 touchdown passes. Let's talk about regression to the mean and what does it mean? Welcome to Fantasy Football Today here. It's Thursday early evening as we record. You're going to listen to this on Friday, May 22nd. Going to get you ready for your big Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody has a lot of fun. We won't have a show for you on Monday, but we will have uh, one for you on Tuesday next week. We'll have three episodes next week. I'm Adam Azer. Heath Cummings. Regression to the mean. It's kind of your it's kind of your thing. It is like I feel like this is um, one of the shows that I've been more excited about over the past couple of months. Like it's Ouch. weird because when we start to do dynasty shows, um, I have to anticipate those for a lot longer because they get res- rescheduled three or four times before <laughs> we actually do them. The regression one happened on the day that we were planning it, so it's exciting. I couldn't think of anything better. I guess so. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah we'll just go with the regression. Uh, Jamie's here. Hey, Jamie. Hey, buddy. Jamie's taking next week off. We're going to miss you. I won't miss you. <laughs> it was a collective we. I personally will not miss you. No, and, I'll miss everybody else, but I won't miss uh, you. Ben Gretsch is here. Ben is reeling from a 9 nothing defeat in Tecmo Super Bowl to You're me. You're just making up points. I scored. It was 9 nothing. I scored. I, I mean, I was obviously logged off by that point. We, we couldn't connect. And Adam tweets out, I just crushed. Yards per Gretchen at Tecmo Super Bowl because he got a safety on the opening kickoff because I couldn't run out of the end zone. Yeah. Ben There's was... no touchbacks in that game. Uh, that's correct. But I knocked the ball out of your hands anyway. It was a fumble. You recovered it, and then I tackled that guy, so it would have been a safety. Uh, all right, so regression to the mean. Heath, what does what does that mean exactly? Um, you are going to be nor- more normal next year. Like right. I think that's the easiest way to say it because people hear regression. Like even when I did the pieces this year, I've actually made a different section for positive regression, and I've not called it positive regression. I don't. Like, that's not what it is. It's still just regression. But every year, if I don't, I have to hear from people on Twitter about how he's going to be better. That's not regression. And so it's just like being more normal is the is the easiest way to say it and think about it. People love to say that the correct term is progression. Progression, you can, yes. You can use a dictionary and find <laughs> out that it's not the correct term. <laughs> right, progression just means getting better. Like, I think the the place where it gets into more of a gray area with regression and progression is like Kyler Murray or a rookie who has what looks kind of like an unlucky year, but it may also be a skill issue because rookie quarterbacks struggle with touchdown rate. And so is he going to regress or progress? Okay. That's the one instance where I could understand the debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, progression is the process of developing or moving gradually towards a more advanced state. Regression is a return to a former state. So, all right. Anyway, uh, what no, does it all mean? Another, yeah. I, I think there's another definition for regression, right? I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Well, we get the point. Yeah. Um, what does it all mean? So Lamar Jackson's touchdown rate, we'll look at that. He led the NFL with 36 touchdown passes. I do want you to know this stat, though. In a four-point-per-passing touchdown league, if you took away nine touchdown passes, he still would have been the number one quarterback by nearly 40 points ahead of Dak Spoiler Prescott. Spoiler alert. You should take away more than nine touchdown passes 
and there were multiple. Lamar Jackson was one of a few players who had multiple things about his season that you should regress. It's not just the touchdown rate. Uh, here's one that I like about Robert Woods. Over the last five seasons, there have been 13 wide receivers. Well, technically uh, 11, but Jarvis Landry shows up on the list three times. So 13 times that a wide receiver has had 130 or more targets and fewer than five touchdown catches. How about that, Jarvis Landry? Three times. Robert Woods <laughs> had the fewest with two touchdown catches. So he had the worst touchdown luck, basically. Um and then Jared Cook, I know we're going to talk about him. He had 43 catches. That's the fewest for top 12 tight end in PPR since Julius Thomas also had 43 and finished as tight end 10 in PPR in 2014. So six seasons, Jared Cook, the fewest catches of any top 12 tight end, uh, Bill, basically since six seasons ago. I do have another Jared Cook stat that I'm going to give out. Why I'll make the case why he, he will finish top 12 in PPR, uh, but I'll do that a little bit later. And uh, let's, um, Jamie, let me ask you, is there one player, I mentioned Jackson, Robert Woods, Jared Cook, we're going to talk about Tannehill, Josh Allen, Raheem Mostert, Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, A.J. Brown, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs. Uh, is there one player that you think has a regression to the mean coming in a, in a big, big way that's going to impact fantasy? Aaron Jones, for sure. I mean, you know, just the nature of what he did last year based on the touchdowns, but the fact that they added another player to his position is a is a significant you know damaging thing to what he did last year as well. Ben, how about you? Who's the one guy? If you were writing the story and you were picking the cover photo, I think it's all of them. So I'm going to answer a completely different question than you're asking and say I want to defend Lamar Jackson's past TD rate when we get there. He's one that I don't think will regress as much. Okay. Next time you ask me a question, I will answer a completely different question of my yeah. choosing. <laughs> Uh, Heath, he's going to be the cover photo, the cover man. Uh, well, that'll be fun because like, I'm writing four pieces, and the cover photo is going to likely be Lamar Jackson, Aaron Jones, and A.J. Brown, and Jared Cook. Uh -huh. So like, the four guys that we just talked about are the guy. And if you are someone who is annoyed over the A.J. Brown fight, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't have a discussion about regression without talking about AJ Brown. So we have to do this. This won't end anything, but we'll try not to do it as much after this. Maybe today I'll just take what Ben said on yesterday's show and see how much of it I remember and argue with Heath because he had really? his the pre-argument with Heath <laughs> about AJ <AJ> Brown. <laughs> But he throws it on the show. I'll see. I'll see how much I remember. Uh, all right, uh, let's do some quick news and notes. Jarvis Landry said he's ahead of schedule in his recovery from hip surgery. He's hoping to return to the field in August. Jamie, your thought there? I'm not going to draft a lot of Jarvis Landry. I, I just think the injury concern because this is you know something that could recur. Uh, the fact that they added Austin Hooper, I think Beckham will be better. I know they're going to run the ball a ton, so he's not going to be somebody I have a lot of stock in. I'm not drafting him either, but can I can I just point out that he's going wide receiver 32, and in six seasons he's never finished lower than wide receiver 30, which was his rookie year. In the last five seasons he's finished at least wide receiver 20, and he's never been five before. out of six years. I mean, yeah. and I I don't draft him either. He's boring, but like, but he's never been coming off an injury though. True, but should that matter that much if if Jarvis Landry's the 30th wide receiver off the board? He's one of those guys, you know, this this is, uh, you know, something we've talked about a lot throughout the years. Do you want to draft your team to win a championship or draft your team to make the playoffs? He'll help you get to the playoffs. He's not going to help you win a championship. Fair Great. enough. 
Melvin Gordon says Denver's system is more suited for him than the Chargers was. Anybody, uh, anybody think that's important? Well, they don't have Austin Eckler, so if that's part of the system, it's it's good because Austin Eckler is better than Melvin Gordon. But they also don't have Philip Rivers, who throws to his running backs and and did before Melvin Gordon and and to all these other running backs like Danny Woodhead and all these guys over the years, Mike Tolbert. Um, so he might like Denver's system more, but the receptions matter a lot. And the NFL reinstated Dallas defensive end Alden Smith. I mean, what 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 is Melvin Gordon going to say when he's doing a press yeah. conference for the Broncos? You know, I really like that Chargers system a hell of a lot better. No, but <laughs> you know what? He, he didn't just say that though. He he said I know, but that's the gist of it. But he he actually went and said that he felt like he was he had to adjust to the Chargers system. Um, it was a little strange. You don't see quotes like that too often. I thought. Well, anyway. if you go back to you remember his disastrous rookie campaign, and then they added a fullback. And that's what he was used to in Wisconsin, and he was dramatically better. So, you know, he he's a very uh, candid person about what he wants and what he likes and what works for him. See, we got some more news items here. The Eagles, according to ESPN, they're looking at Devontae Freeman, Carlos Hyde, and LaShawn McCoy, according to ESPN. You said the Eagles? Yeah. Because so are the, so are the Seahawks. Uh, this is, yeah, hot off the presses, like, 20 minutes ago, um, Tim McManus of ESPN. The Eagles looking at Freeman, Hyde, and McCoy will react when they sign someone. Yeah, apparently the Seahawks made an offer to Freeman of uh, one year, $4 million. So they're, I would not draft Rashad Penny. I know you like yeah. him, Ben, but I, I think at this point it's pretty clear that they're not comfortable with where he's at physically. Sean, Sean McVay said, we feel we've got three really good backs. I'm not sure you have one. <laughs> I, hope you have, I hope you do. Uh, and Josh Gordon, according to Pro Football Talk, Josh Gordon is going to apply for reinstatement soon. And that's pretty much it. All right. Let us uh, let me tell you what's coming up next week. We have three episodes next week, including a Dynasty mailbag on Friday. So get your questions in via Apple Podcast Review. I have a ton of emails about uh, Dynasty League, so we'll be doing a mailbag show. But... Leave us a nice uh, review on Apple Podcasts, then we'll read your question on our Friday Dynasty show. Tuesday night, we're twitching. We're on Twitch, uh, twitch.com slash FF today. We're streaming and playing some poker. The FFT crew will be competing in a single-table poker tournament hosted by our friends at Faded Spade. That's going to be awesome. Faded Spade Card Club is a new social poker platform offering free play and custom games. You can watch at twitch.com slash FF today. And again, it's Faded Spade Card Club. Uh, I'm going to so say Dave to kicks all your asses. You know, we had a, a podcasting call within the company on Tuesday, and somebody asked me, Azer, are you good at poker? And I said, I am very lucky at poker. I always get good cards. So, I, Jamie, don't underestimate my blind luck. As someone who has played, not recently at all, but a lot of both in-person and online poker, Online poker is a completely different animal. This is going to be super interesting. So I don't, I've never seen it in person, but I know Dave usually wears like big, big sunglasses, like, you know, old person, giant <laughs> sunglasses. And like he wears like a hat and a jacket, I think, if I remember correctly the story. So like he tries to make it like you can't read him at all. Uh-huh. So you might be right about that. He, he might be better in person than he is in online poker, but I, I, I know he plays a lot. So 
If I had to put money on one of them, one of you guys, I'd put it on Dave. Oh, I think that's the I think that's the smart money. I just think his advantage is smaller in this format than it would be around a table. Around a table, I'm not sure Adam would make it out of the first 15 minutes. No, he might you're just wrong. Start crying I, and leave. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not that bad at poker, and I think I want the whole thing to be split the ocean anyway, which is a, a complete luck game, but extremely fun. Uh, so we'll, we'll it now. It won't be that. Okay, so let's get into it here. Regression of the mean, starting with the quarterbacks. I don't think we we might be able to mention like eighteen players. We won't be able to expand on them. But let's start with Lamar Jackson, Heath, and and what you expect from Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I would say for this section, like Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, and maybe Jared Goff are the only three we have to spend very much time at all on. Jackson is strange. Obviously, he had a nine percent touchdown rate last year um i think patrick mahomes is like 8.5 the year before and and we just screamed that there's no way he matches that in the last 20 years i believe three quarterbacks have had a nine percent touchdown rate in a season um no one's ever come close to following that up with anything above eight so like at the very very least you're taking two percent off the top i think like if you wanted to be very kind, you would take 3% off the top because Aaron Rodgers has the all time or at least modern era highest touchdown rate in the NFL at 6% even. And that's an enormous difference. Like I projected him at 5.5 going into this year, which is still a one point higher than league average. That puts him at 25 and a half touchdowns through the air. Uh, you lose 10 and a half, despite the fact that I have him throwing 60 more passes than he did last year. Um, he's going to lose 10 touchdowns. And then it's not just like Ben might have a defense for that. I don't think he has a defense that he's going to have a touchdown rate higher than 6%, but we'll hear what that is in a second. The other thing is that I know Ben agrees with, he averaged 6.9 yards per carry last year. He was at 4.7 as a rookie. Michael Vick did average seven yards per carry as a rusher over his career. So there's a precedent there. But the second best of all time is Russell Wilson at five and a half. I don't feel comfortable projecting Lamar Jackson to be better than the second best of all time. And if you drop him to five and a half, there's 400 rushing yards are gone. Like literally, you could take three to 400 yards off the top. So I... I think there's a like he outscored in six point per passing touchdown leagues number two by 93 points last year. I think there's a real chance he plays 16 games and scores a hundred fewer fantasy points. He played. I just want to mention he did play 15 games last yep. year. So yep, that's uh, yeah okay. And uh, I didn't even mention yards per attempt, but he's probably not going to average nearly eight yards per attempt either. But th- that's out the door. I didn't even factor that in. Okay, Gretch. Yeah, I, I do agree with Heath on the yards per carry part. I think the reasons for aggression, and we like it's not just the math, right? Like we talk about the actual football side of it sometimes. And I know Heath and I have talked about like what a player's true skill level is and, and all that. We're not gonna regress Lamar Jackson back to some league average, right? And that's not what Heath was doing. But we are going to recognize that teams are gonna do things differently. They're not gonna uh scheme against Lamar Jackson the same way they did last year because he was the MVP last year. They have to, they have to do something different. Um, so that's going to probably limit his ability to run for such a high yards per carry. As far as the touchdowns, I I've been thinking about this and it's related to the point I just made. Their offense was so run heavy and so effective running the ball that, and this is actually probably something you could test and I haven't tested it. So I'm kind of just throwing this out there, but 
I would guess that Lamar Jackson had a lot higher percentage of, of his pass attempts in scoring range, meaning other quarterbacks, even on good offenses like Patrick Mahomes, when he threw 50 touchdowns in 2018, he was throwing in his own uh, own on his own side of the field. Every drive, typically not every drive, but the vast majority start on, on a team's own side of the field. Um, and he was throwing to get into plus territory. Uh, the Ravens being a good offense, they ran more plays in plus territory than most offenses. I'm, that's not one I, I don't think I have to look up. I think we can all agree on that. And I would argue that because they're so good running the ball and their pass attempts were lower, because we're talking about a TD percent of total pass attempts, if he was throwing more passes in plus territory, there's there's reason to believe that Lamar Jackson's touchdown rate should be higher than a typical quarterback's because he's throwing a lot higher of his a lot higher percentage of his passes in scoring range. Does it matter to you that seven of his thirty six touchdown passes were of more than thirty yards? Yes. Four of them were of more than forty seven yards. And I went back, I kind of looked at other quarterbacks who had, you know, similar touchdown pass numbers. It's not unusual to have that many big pass plays for them. What is unusual is that he was Lamar Jackson was twenty first in air yards. So I'm thinking there was a lot of yak, uh, and I've seen it. I mean, guys running wide open because nobody knew how to defend the Ravens. Uh, so that's my guess. A lot of like yards after catch leading to long touchdown passes for Lamar Jackson. He's definitely going to regress. You don't get 9%. Like he said, it's one of three seasons that he found, right? Is that what you said? In, tw- he- in, 20, in 20 years, yeah. In 20 years. So, like, he's definitely going to regress, and that's the exact spot. Yes, I was thinking of that as I was making the case, too. Marquise Brown getting deep. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews running free, like you said. Like, we saw a lot of that. Those those plays are, are going to be harder to hit on at such a high rate next year. I mean, some of that, yes, is also related to the run game. They have to press their safeties up, and, and it creates room for guys to run over the top. But it's, like, y- you just can't do what he did last year, multiple years in a row. But I, I do think there is a possibility that his regression isn't as big as uh like maybe maybe as he said he projected which is just like one percentage point above league average maybe he can stay uh around seven percent which would still be incredibly high but but you like if he did that for his career he would have the highest touchdown rate in nfl history right jamie you know we we see quarterbacks like peyton manning have this best season ever for him 55 touchdown passes then the year after he wasn't the number one quarterback it's like qb4 or something like that he had he was really good but not amazing Patrick Mahomes dealt with the injury, but also regressed. Um, but we, we've never seen a quarterback have a year like this and do it with the rushing totals that Lamar Jackson did. So I know everybody's got him one or two in the rankings. What do you think about him this year? Uh, what do you think the most likely outcome is? I think his numbers come down, but it's just a matter of, you know, where does he make up for it to still keep him afloat? You know, so I think he improves as a passer slightly. I think his, not his touchdowns, but his yards, because I think Marquise Brown wasn't healthy. They add two young receivers, so I think will help. They add, you know, uh, uh, probably a better complementary running back in the backfield to help Mark Ingram and, and sort of stylistically work with him. I hope at least with J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, the the most important person for Baltimore right now is Greg Roman, because as long as Lamar Jackson's healthy, it's what's the next wrinkle, because that's what has to change. It has to be what do they do to throw off defenses now? Because I think I said this, you know, a few times. I spoke to TJ Watt. I spoke to Stephon Gilmore. You know, I spoke to guys at the Pro Bowl about how do you stop him? What's the way to slow him down? You know, I, our, our own colleague, Brian McFadden, I asked him, uh, you know, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. You know, what would you do to defend him? You know, and so that's what teams are doing right now. 
Their schedule gets tougher because they're a first place schedule now. Um, you know, the risk of injury is higher, um, you know, for a player that, that does what he does. So there are a lot of things that are, are working against them. But if Greg Roman does his job and, and figures out how to, okay, maybe the design runs aren't the same. Maybe it's a, you know, different screen game that they incorporate. Maybe it's different, you know, personnel packages that they use and, and, and they're better that way. Uh, he's going to come down. It's just the nature of what he did. He had a record-breaking season. It was phenomenal. He won the MVP for a reason. But, you know, th- those, those type of performances. We were, we were really robbed of what Michael Vick would have done coming off of his 1,000-yard season, by his own doing, obviously, by what happened to him. But 2006, he had 2,000 and 1,000. Could he have become the first 3,000, 1,000 guy? Maybe. We don't know. And we'll see now how Lamar Jackson backs that up. So, so like I said, we all expect the numbers to come down, but everybody's going to have Lamar Jackson as their QB1 or QB2 in the rankings. So what does this actually mean for people on draft day? It's going to have a first-round ADP. Like Certainly, we're going to get to July or August, and Lamar Jackson's ADP is going to be in the first round, just like Patrick Mahomes was last but year. But Mahomes was actually outside. I was shocked. He was at 13. 13? You know, so, okay. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 Even it's, that. It's, it's minuscule, obviously. When should we take here, them? When should we take Lamar Jackson? Late third, earliest. That's yeah, never going to happen, though. But I, you're right. I mean, this is, this is, you know, one of those things where people see even the projections. You know, your projections, Sportsline's projections, whatever site you play on. You know, they're going to be still better than most most quarterbacks. And then you're going to debate. Okay, I I'm taking a quarterback here. Is it going to be Mahomes? And which Mahomes are you getting? You know, I, I I think, you know, he said it, uh, Mahomes, what he did in 2018 and then what the regression was going to be. Um, we don't really know where he would have been with those three games. You know, I mean, with the ankle injury, you know, he was playing hurt. So we don't know how he would, if he was 100 percent healthy and everything worked out for him, where would the numbers have been? I don't think they would have been where they were in 2018, but how far off would they have come? We don't so, talk about this enough, but he. In September last year, he was pacing for a better season. I Remember that? <laughs> I yeah, know. He was, he was, was incredible. He was ridiculous. You know, and Tyreek so, Hill got hurt too. Right. You know, th- those are all factors you have to consider. And, and that's, you know, a positive for Lamar Jackson. Marquise Brown is as good as he was advertised coming out of college. He didn't have that weapon at 100% last year. You know, so ima- imagine Andrews, a better Marquise Brown, and then maybe one of the rookies does something. So just, just a, you know, heads up. Got to, can't spend 10 minutes on everyone, but I did think it was worth it for Lamar Jackson. Let's do Ryan Tannehill. His thoughts on him. This will be quick because I can't imagine anyone disagreeing. The nice thing with Ryan Tannehill is we've got like <laughs> six years of NFL action to show what type of player he was. Um, he had a 7.7% touchdown rate, which was, you know, about three points better than league average, three and a half points better than his career average. But the, the yards per attempt, 9.6 yards per attempt is um, just outlandish. And no one's ever going to repeat that. A few people have done it in the past. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2018 and followed that up with a 7.0 yards per attempt. Nick Foles back in his uh, breakout year with the Eagles did it and then followed it up with like a 7.2. I just think like, and also there have been good quarterbacks that have done it as well, but he's not Peyton Manning. So even if you project him for eight yards per attempt, which is above average, and a 5% touchdown rate, which is 10% better than league average, at 500 attempts, which would be a huge increase from last year, he's still not a top 12 quarterback. So don't draft Ryan Tannehill. 
Does anybody want to draft Ryan Tannehill? I just did a story. I just did a story about, you know, seven quarterbacks that I would take that are going to have an ADP after 100 overall. And just looking at Fancy Football Calculator, I did it based off of our rankings, you know, so guys that are after our consensus top 12. And he was one I was like, you know, I, I have no interest. Yeah. No, okay. I, I put Tyrod Taylor on, on, in the story over Ryan Tannehill. I don't have it ranked 100%. that way. I don't have it ranked that way because I don't think Tyrod's going to play 16 games. But if you're looking for who's going to have a better chance to be a league winner, it's Tyrod over Tannehill. Okay, Jared Goff is the last one we want to talk about. What are we looking to come back here? Touchdown rate? He had a 3.5% touchdown rate. And like his career number is 4.7, which seems like a very small difference. It would have been seven and a half touchdowns last year. If he'd had his career touchdown rate last year, he would have been QB7. So, I, and I don't know if they will throw as much. I think they would prefer to have a better, de- like not throw quite as much and run the ball a little bit better and the defense play a little better, but I I think he is um, he's a little bit undervalued because of uh, a blip on the touchdown rate. Goff is on a team that will run a lot of plays, so whether or not they you know want to run the ball more, they still have plenty of room to pass. Uh, fourth, they've been fourth and eighth in plays scrimmage plays the last two seasons. Um, Jamie, my question about Goff is because I I was drafting him a lot last year because in 2018 he was sixth, and with Cooper Cup he was basically like second best behind Mahomes. But he doesn't run the ball a lot, about 100 rushing yards last year, I think. Oh, no, he had 40. Sorry, maybe the year before that. I don't know. He doesn't run the ball a lot. Uh, yeah, he had 100 the year before. What's the ceiling for golf? Well, I, I think if you go back to last year, he had that four-game stretch, which was completely miserable. And if you look at the four opponents that he played, three of them had the best defense in football last year, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. You throw in the Chicago game, which was the fourth one. Their defense is obviously good. He combined for 12 points in those four games. It's just it's astounding that a quarterback can only get 12 points in a four-game stretch. You take out those four games, he averaged over 22 points per game for the season. And he came back against San Francisco week 16, and he hit 22 points, 23 points. So I think he's a better quarterback than what he showed last year. I think he's right. He's going to regress. Um, the thing that's working against him is it's the offensive line got older, and they didn't do anything to upgrade it. And the run game, is that going to be able to support him? So if those two things fail him again, he's so good off play action. He needs everything to sort of be working, you know, this, this McVay system to be, you know, almost, you know, links in a chain, you know, working together. But I, I think he's one of the best guys you can draft if you miss on one of your preferred targets. There, I think there are four guys, Roethlisberger, Daniel Jones, Goff, and maybe Minshew. Mayfield? Based on either. Mayfield, I just don't know the, the plays. That's the thing with him. If they if they allow him to be in the 500 range of, of pass attempts, he could be really good because of what they have. So who's your but favorite probably, in the group you just mentioned? Oh, Roethlisberger. Okay. Ben, how about you? It was Roethlisberger, Goff, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew. Who stands Girl. out? Um, <clears throat> we're, we're excluding Stafford because the guy's now haven't ranked in the top 12, but that's the guy that I've been taking that range. I just want to throw that out there that if he's not going higher in your league, Stafford's the, would be my pick, but um, I don't really care. I think these are all fine guys. Like I think, I think I, I agree with Jamie. That's a good list. I, I like Roethlisberger a little bit, even later. I like Goff for all the reasons they just said he had four games of 370 or more passing yards last year. He had one over 500. Um, there, there's still plenty of upside in this Rams passing offense. We, it's one of those ones where our expectations were so high 
and he had th- that really bad stretch that Jamie referenced. His season numbers weren't great. He doesn't run. It looks really bad immediately. We're for a stationary quarterback with a bad touchdown rate uh, and a few bad games. It, like his fantasy line looks bad, but he could very easily bounce back and have a QB one season. Uh, and I, I like Daniel Jones upside too. So those are all guys that I would look at for sure. The, the thing you want to look at with these quarterbacks, Adam, and Ben said this, I think it was on HQ. High volume passing or running. And that's what these guys are going to have in their favor. Yeah, I mean, I read your article. It was I, all this, by the way, was inspired by Ben Roethlisberger getting a haircut. Mm-hmm. Jamie, is, <laughs> Jamie decided to write a story about it. Uh, it was a good story. Check it out. And like like Heath mentioned, he's writing four stories about regression to the mean, quarterback, running back, wide uh, wide receiver, tight end. So anything we don't get to, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, you'll read about it. Let's go to running back. Here, um, Raheem Mostert and Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Tariq Cohen. Hmm, who should we talk about, Heath? Who should we talk about? I think Jones and Mostert are like the two that I would choose, and you can pick one more if you like. But um, I, the thing that I have struggled with with Aaron Jones, and we don't like the AJ Dillon is a wild card. Aaron Jones would have made the regression article whether the Packers drafted Aaron Jones or not. He just was not going to have that type of touchdown success, 19 touchdowns and the number of touches that he had. He was amongst the league leaders in terms of touchdown rate for running backs, and he scored some receiving touchdowns. Like That wasn't going to happen, and they've pretty clearly said they're going to share touches. The thing that I struggled with before they drafted Dylan that I'm still kind of bothered by Before last season, in his first two years in the league, Aaron Jones had averaged six touchdowns per 100 carries. Well, I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to cause him to get less than 200 carries. Like Maybe he gets 200 and A.J. Dillon gets 140 or 150 or something. Things are really bad for Jones. But like that rate went up last year. But we're now at three years where he's had a touchdown rate that, and even a yards per carry in most cases that I would say we need to regress that back a little bit. So Jones is a little bit more of a complicated case than I'm used to. Like, yeah, his 6.8% touchdown rate from last year on rush attempts was out of this world. But I don't really know what to, I don't know. I can't get him anywhere close to league average because of what the first two years look like. He had 13 carries inside the five-yard line. Jamal Williams had two. He had uh, 4.6 yards per carry, which was the worst of his career. He's. I just think that Aaron Jones is awesome, really good. I hope they, you know, let him be really good. We mentioned Jamie. You always bring this up. You know, the catches. He had 49 catches. Well, he had 27 in 12 games with Devontae Adams, and he had 22 in four games without Devontae Adams. And all three of his receiving scores. Oh, and all three. Thank you, and all three of his receiving touchdowns. So that's another angle there. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough one. Uh, I think after the NFL draft, I, I yeah, okay. I Heath, I know what you're saying. He would have been on this list before the NFL draft. Does AJ Dillon just take Jamal Williams touches? That's what I'm hoping, and and Jones still gets a big role. But, but I just feel like they're better when Aaron Jones is on the field. They're it, better. The, the one thing I will say is AJ Dillon is not taking all of Jamal Williams touches. Because a huge percentage of Jamal Williams' touches were in the passing game. Okay, his AJ carries. Dillon's not taking that. His carries. If he just takes his carries and Aaron Jones gets more of Jamal Williams, like they're doing a two-back split between Jones and Dillon, Jones might be better outside of the touchdowns. All right, Ben. I agree, yeah. with, 
I agree with Heath that Jones is very good and his touchdown rate matters that we've seen enough of it. Um, I think the way that you think about his regression is that stat, Adam, that you just gave 13 carries inside the five and Jamal Williams only had two. We can't figure out why the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon. There's no explanation for it. He doesn't play on passing downs. That's where they use Jamal Williams. It's literally it has to be coming for some aspect of Aaron Jones workload. And the only thing that makes any sense is short. What if it's 2021? What if that's the reason they drafted him? But they're not just putting him on the bench for a year. A, I mean, he's going to play. Yeah, I compare it to DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. You know, Henry was a second-round pick, didn't really have a big role. And then I don't remember if DeMarco Murray had okay, another but the, year the big the, the slight difference here is that Aaron Jones is not a workhorse back size-wise. He's 5'9", 208. He's, pretty, he's Duke Johnson size. They're almost the same size, but which doesn't the, mean that he's not capable of it. He's shown that he is. But they just went out and drafted a 247-pound back. This guy has 40 pounds on him. Who are they going to give those 13 inside the five-yard carries to? Why else would they draft him in the second round? That's the only explanation I have. You also have to factor in offensive line could be worse. They lose Balaga. Rick Wagner is not as good as Balaga. So there's one piece in the offensive line, which was great last year, that they have to replace, and that's also another factor. I, for me, it comes down to value with him, and that's it. You know, I mean, if you're getting him past round two and a half, you know, mid-round three, I'm fine with that. But... He still goes in round two. I think that's just too soon. You know, I, I think there are better backs in that range. You know, for me, he's in the group of Gurley and Gordon and those, you know, guys in the teens as opposed to somebody that's still in the top 12. It's splitting hairs. You know, I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, you're talking a, a few spots. But, like, for example, in, in our in our magazine that's coming out in June, Chris took him, Chris Towers took him at the back end of round two. You know, and, and I pose questions to everybody similar to what Ben does on our, on our site. Um, you know, why did you take him in that spot? And he said he still thinks he's the top uh, 11 back. I think he was the 11th back off the board. I just, I don't see it possible if everybody's healthy and they want to split the workload potentially three ways, if not just giving Dylan some of these high level touches, like Ben said, those 13, you know, opportunities could be split in half. And then Jones, if he doesn't produce like we saw with his receiving stats, and then you factor in the touchdowns coming down, it's, it's just hard for, you know, on paper to justify him being a second round pick. I, by the way, I think Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray played two seasons together. Henry had 110 or so carries as a rookie behind a very good DeMarco Murray. Um, so that's Aaron Jones. Raheem Mostert's the second one he wanted to talk about. I'm going to say the third one's going to actually be Mark Ingram. But let's go to Raheem Mostert. Ingram is a good choice because he is uh, absolutely going to regress. The thing with Mostert is... Like he averaged 5.6 yards per carry last year. And it's easy to say, well, his career average is even better than that. He's going to be 28 years old this season. And he has 178 career rush attempts. Like he doesn't have a season's worth of carries yet. Um, So you should like off the top. I'm not going to project him for over five yards per carry. You're automatically losing at least a half a yard and probably a little bit more. And then he also had almost a 6% touchdown rate on those carries while his teammate Matt Breida scored one touchdown, like 150 carries or something. I don't really think it's all that likely that he comes anywhere close to that. And and the problem is, like, there's a lot of guys we'll talk about, including A.J. Brown, where you can make the argument, yeah, but they're going to get a lot more work so they can make up for the regression that's obviously going to happen. He'll get more than 137 carries for sure, but I don't know that there's a path to a lot more than 200 carries for Raheem Mostert. 
And if you're going below five yards per carry, which I think you should, I don't think you're getting a thousand yard rusher. I don't think you're getting a 10 touchdown guy and he's not going to catch very many passes. Does anybody like Mostert? Nope. I think he's an okay flex. <laughs> I think you dropped him as a starter. It's a mistake. He's does certainly he, better not non-PPR than PPR. Does he not justify more work, though, with how good he's been? But Shanahan's never... I mean, he, I guess he that's has to true. back as an OC, but he uh, it doesn't seem at all like that's what he wants to do. They just loaded up on... I mean, they traded Brito, but they, they brought back McKinnon. They brought back Wilson. They loaded up on running backs again this offseason. They're going to use multiple backs. Yeah, they're going to use him. He he wants, you know, he's bulking up for a 200-touch workload or carry workload. He had uh, 137 last year. Do you, is 200 is almost exactly what Mark Ingram had, by the way, in 15 games. Do you think Raheem Mostert gets 200 carries? I'd bet the under. Um, 200 doesn't, like, I th- I'm sure I haven't projected for less than that, but it's, po- like, that's the ceiling. Okay. Would you guys rather have Raheem Mostert or Darius Geis? Geis. Geis. Raheem Mostert or Keyshawn Vaughn? Vaughn. I'm going to take Vaughn. I think I have Mostert projected higher, but yeah, I'll take Vaughn. Okay. Raheem Mostert or J.K. Dobbins? Mostert. Depends on the backs you've drafted to that point. I think Mostert. Like especially if you're zero RB, it's Mostert. Yeah, most Mostert is. I mean, the the comps for Mostert for me are, are Sony Michelle and David Montgomery. You know, guys that are going to potentially get a lot of work but aren't going to catch the ball a ton, and they need to really have good offensive line play, scoring opportunities. You know, I, I mean, th- those are the type of guys he that I that I struggle with when I rank them. You know, I mean, just based on how they perform and how they play and the offenses they're going to play. And if you don't take a lot of running backs early, like I don't in some of my drafts, those are the types of guys that I'll. You, if you have to start one of them in the range that you're looking uh, at those guys, like they're the best p- potential startable options that are available. But if you do have some good running backs, I would take J.K. Dobbins upside as a bench dash over these guys. Right. If Mark Ingram goes down, you by leaps and bounds rather have J.K. Dobbins yeah. than any of the guys we just mentioned. Would you rather if, if Mark Ingram and Tevin Coleman are both injured, would you rather have Dobbins or Mostert? Dobbins. Oh, Dobbins. Not close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mark Ingram is the last guy. We're going to do 90 seconds on Mark Ingram here because I want to bring this up. He had 202 carries. It's really not a lot in 15 games. He scored 10 touchdowns on the ground, five receiving touchdowns. Uh, But I don't think I noticed about Mark Ingram. He's played three seasons uh, in his last like five or six, I think five, with 15 or 16 games. All three of those seasons... He's been a top 12 running back. He's been top 8 in non-PPR and top 11 in PPR. He did that with 205, 230, and 202 carries. So he's just remarkably efficient. Now, in those three seasons, including last year, he had 46, 58, and 26 catches. That's the problem. He's not catching the ball like he did with New Orleans. But I don't know. Heath, this guy has a remarkable ability to be better than most on a per-touch basis. Is that fair to say? To score, one hundred percent fair to say, and I don't know if it's like he's awesome. I like, I love Mark Ingram. He's also worked in situations and will continue to work in a situation that's going to be more efficient for a running back. Like Gus Edwards was pretty damn efficient last year, and we don't think Gus Edwards is anything special. Um, the rushing touchdown rate for Ingram five percent, 
is high enough that I would normally regress it in my projection. So I would not expect him to score 10 touchdowns on 200 carries, even on an offense as good as the Ravens. But the receiving, <laughs> he had five receiving touchdowns on 29 targets. Like we were laughing about the touchdown rate for Lamar Jackson of 9%. 17% of his attempts to Mark Ingram went for touchdowns. Mark Ingram <laughs> might be the reason for Lamar Jackson's high touchdown rate. Yeah. And how about how about Robert Woods gets 130 plus targets and catches two touchdowns yes. and Mark yes. Ingram has five. That's, that's football. Um, and Ingram's profile is so I, the word I would use is fragile. Um, because anything bad that happens could just destroy it. It's a house of cards uh, as a top 15 back. So, and there's more concern that JK Dobbins is going to take a higher percentage of the carries in the second half than there was with Gus Edwards. So everything is working against Mark Ingram. All right. I'll ask you guys, Mark Ingram or James Connor. 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 Connor Heath. Ingram or a Rams running back? I'll take Akers. I'll take Ingram and non-PPR, Akers and PPR. I'll take Ingram and both. I will take a quick break. After this commercial break, we will talk about wide receivers. A.J. Brown, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, Robert Woods, Odell Beckham. We'll pick a few of those, and then I'll tell you about Jared Cook, the, what, what, you know, a case for and against. Uh, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, we'll get to that. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Well, yeah, you can't have a uh, discussion about receivers regressing without talking about A.J. Brown. And why don't we lump uh, A.J. Brown and and Robert Woods? I had this great idea during the commercial break to lump A.J. Brown. (laughs) Ben had a great idea to lump A.J. Brown and Robert Woods together because we've already talked about the quarterbacks. So, Heath, are there similarities between A.J. Brown and Robert Woods? Or the, I guess the regression is really in opposite directions, right? Um, it's in opposite directions. It does correlate with what we said about their quarterbacks. Jared Goff's going to throw more touchdowns, so Robert Woods will score more touchdowns. I will say that A.J. Brown's regression, and Ben's going to like, like yelp when I say this, to me looks more severe 
than Ryan Tannehill's regression. He averaged 12.5 yards per target. I believe that's the second highest mark since they began tracking that stat. Tyler Lockett and Tyreek Hill are essentially tied for the best yards per target of all time at right around 9.44. So three yards per target worse than what Brown was last year. And he might just be the most efficient wide receiver of all time. Ben will probably say that he's going to be. Um, but this is insane. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that. I don't feel I comfortable am. projecting him for better than nine yards per target, which is pretty close to like the best of ever. He also had a touchdown rate of 9.5%, which is also insane. It's better than Lamar Jackson's passing touchdown rate that we all just agreed has to regress. So I just looked at what does he have to do to match last year's numbers. If he gets 117 targets, which is what, 30 more than he had last year, 35 more than he had last year, an enormous increase. But I think Ben also thinks a completely reasonable one. And maybe it is 117 targets at nine yards per target. He gets the same yardage total as last year. 133 targets at a 6% touchdown rate, which if you'll remember, Aaron Rodgers' 6% touchdown rate is the greatest quarterback touchdown rate career of all time. So A.J. Brown is basically Aaron Rodgers. At a 6% touchdown rate, he needs 133 targets to match last year's eight touchdowns. Question. You are not drafting... AJ Brown in the late third or, or early fourth round to match what he did last year. Uh, you were drafting well, him to improve. The non PPR, I guess you could because he was number no, 10. No, 100. I'm talking, yes, you're right. But he was 21st in PPR. But quarterback touchdown rate versus wide receiver touchdown rate. The, wide receiver <laughs> median is very similar. Okay. Um, but I. Really good wide receiver, if your name is not Julio Jones, will be higher than a really good quarterback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you can get over 9%. An elite receiver can get over 9% a lot easier than a quarterback. But an elite receiver cannot maintain 9% year over year. DeAndre yeah. Hopkins is right around 7%. And he and Devontae Adams is right around 7%. Like um 7% would be fair. I did it six. So but even if you did it seven, you're right around the 120 targets again to get to what he was last year. I, I want to go to Jamie actually here and uh, <laughs> not believe me, Ben will get, Ben will get in there, but <laughs> Jamie, where, where should AJ Brown be drafted? Round four. Do you think he's got a huge range of outcomes? Boomer bust kind of player. Yeah. I mean, we, we addressed this the other day, you know, I think you're, you're hoping that he takes that step forward. I, I think, you know, my point was I, I just hope he kind of stays the same. Like, that's kind of my expectation for him is to kind of stay the same. But if he does take that next step forward, that's the type of guy that's a league winner for you. So, you know, it depends on what you need for your team. Like, he's going to be drafted in the range of Robert Woods and Allen Robinson and Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you know, those type of guys. And, you know, while those other guys are probably safer – because you've seen Robert Woods, aside from last year, produce with the Rams. Allen Robinson, when he's had the chance to be productive, um, God, he's played with the multiple quarterbacks, but uh, when he's had the chance to be productive, he's been good. Last year proved that. Um, 
AJ Brown could be better than those guys, but he could be significantly worse. And that's just the risk you run. You know, you're, you're talking about a guy that could be fantastic. The thing that you, you have to be concerned about is quarterback is not that great. Just had a career season. It's a run heavy offense. And does he change the dynamic of what those things are? Ben laid it out for the other day. You know I mean? If, Derrick Henry gets hurt, and they have to rely more on their ground game. He's their best player. Uh, you know, the, there's not a competition for targets. You know, I do think John Smith gets better and, and maybe better than what Delaney Walker's been banged up the last couple of years, but Corey Davis has been a flop, you know, so the, the passing game should run through him. There, there are a lot of ways to look at A.J. Brown and say, okay, he could be really, really great. There's a few to look at it and say he could be flawed, but that's why he's not, a, a I think, a first three-round pick. I know Ben's aggressive when he drafts him, but... Um, but Ben's typically aggressive with a lot of the guys that he likes that he drafts. Okay, Ben. So you think that they were so efficient last year, that's not going to be the case this year, but that's going to force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball more. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> nailed it. I mentioned just yesterday, but there's only four four teams in the last seven seasons that have thrown fewer than 450 passes. The Titans, the last two years, are two of those four teams, as are the Ravens last year. You think the Ravens were low pass volume last year? 440 attempts. Um, at 440 attempts and AJ Brown's target share from week 10 on when he, uh, started playing full snaps and, and he keeps mentioning how many targets he got full season last year. He didn't play full snaps until week 10. That's the the biggest point I want to make at 25%, 440 pass attempts, which would be the lowest in the league last year. That's 110 targets. That is AJ Brown's floor. He's going to get at least 110 targets this year. Uh, I, if he doesn't, I'll eat a shoe. <laughs> well, <laughs> Um, I will say the only like he he might get 110 targets. 110 targets is not enough to be as good as he was last year. Yeah, but I'm just also, pointing out because you keep making these straw man arguments that he's going to get like 95 targets again, or like pointing out that 117 is a 35 no, target I have increase. Projected for 114 targets. Okay. Um, I have him as a late fourth round pick. I don't dislike AJ Brown at all. But I do think I'm projecting him close to his, closer to his ceiling than his floor. And in the playoffs, he had a 15% target share. Corey Davis had more targets than A.J. Brown did in their three playoff games. They barely like, threw, I right? I don't think... They threw, they threw for fewer than 100 yards in two of those games. I actually just wrote a huge A.J. Brown piece. So if anyone wants to read my refutation of all right. this slander from Heath, they can find it's it not, on the site. The, 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 <laughs> that's how you know... Like that one of us is not being reasonable is that one of us has AJ Brown, like a round behind where Ben wants to take him and has AJ Brown projected for world-class efficiency across the board, but arguing regression that he's not worth a third round pick is slander. Well, no, ben, let, me so, ask, let me ask you this, Ben, let me, let me ask you this. you you love AJ Brown. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, the end. what, what are you telling people realistically where to draft him. Like, are you telling people to draft him in the third round? Yep. Or are you so, saying take him in the fourth round? Because I, I think that, that's important because, like, we all love players. Yep. Like, I take Clyde over to Lair sooner than he should go. I, I get that. You know, we, we do this all the time with players that we like. He's the only one that drafts Gardner Minshew. So, you know, we all have guys that we're going to take earlier. But, like, if, you know, your, your friends come to you, you're on the podcast, you're on HQ, where are you telling people that A.J. Brown should go? And it's a perfect question to for me to just sum this up real quick. I, and I t- talk about this in the article. But um, to his point, I'm not disagreeing with that. And I, I don't think I'm being unreasonable. I just don't think I've put this point out there. The The average projection is probably going to have him as like a fifth-round pick. And I say this in the article. And I, I, I believe, and I've said this a lot of times on pods, 
he is either a small loss on the low end, if he gets 110 targets or 114, like he's projection, or he's a huge win. And I would I like to make those types of bets compared to the running backs in those ranges that are potentially small wins or huge losses. Uh, I don't think AJ Brown's floor is very low at all. Uh, I think it's pretty high. It, I think it's in pretty, the third round, his floor would be a, like a fifth round value, and I take him at the back end of the third round or the early end, early part of the fourth typically. But I would draft him in, in the third because I'm comfortable with uh, a player that doesn't have a huge negative impact on my team. He's a, a little loss but could potentially have a massive positive impact. Uh, just to let you know, Sportsline has him projected as the 21st receiver off the board. So that's round four, round five. Yeah, I've got him 22nd. Which is exactly. But my point is just, you said you had him projected closer to a ceiling. I think that's crazy. I uh, So we did the year two wide receiver episode, and it didn't really go the way I thought it was going to go. Kind of thought <laughs> I had all this enthusiasm. And I thought, you know, other people would, and it wasn't really the case. Uh, but I, one thing I didn't mention was that, there, like, there's a recent history of, of year two wide receivers dramatically outperforming their ADP. And that was actually the basis for, for the entire episode. Uh, like, last. You forgot to mention the basis for the episode during the episode? Yes, I did. It was, <laughs> it, was the, it was the basis for why I started doing all the year two wide receiver research with some help from the rest of the crew. Adam's going to go for his doctorate, but he's not going to tell everybody what he did. (laughs) I have a really interesting spreadsheet (laughs) with year two wide receiver notes. In fact, Jamie, I include, I I updated it after the show to include the round they were drafted in because Mm. you mentioned pedigree. And I thought that was a really good point. Um, And that works against the receivers from last year, but, but Brown was pretty high second round pick. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, I, your two wide receivers typically out the ones that hit, they typically outperform their, their ADP, although he's going pretty early. I think you just said the ones that hit typically outperform their ADP. Well, he, you know what dramatically, he throws out all the, dramatically. the ones that fit his name. Right, look, look, DJ Moore, <laughs> DJ Moore was wide receiver 28 in ADP. DJ Chark was not drafted. Cortland Sutton was DJ wide Moore receiver. was the guy that we had this conversation about all last year because I was taking him in every draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he hit last year. You weren't taking him in the third round. Absolutely was. Cortland Sutton was wide receiver 48 in ADP. Michael Gallup was wide receiver 44. The year before that, Juju Smith-Schuster was wide receiver 18 in ADP. And he finished. But do you think as these guys are going to outperform their ADP? Metcalf, McLaurin. I'm Brown. saying that's what the research suggests. If you get 900 yards as a rookie, you're probably going to outperform your ADP in year two. But, that's. But think about the ADP you just listed, though. What? Yeah, but I just you know, you're let me finish. only talking about the top half of that spreadsheet. No, I'm not. I I what, went through what all of the it. Bottom half of the spreadsheet. I went through. Well, the problem is a lot of those guys were earlier in the decade you're right no no no, no, no. they were earlier in the decade so i'm I'm only going you know i'm not going back to like michael clayton in 2010 no you're right there are there are failures there are absolutely failures i i laid it out and the reasons why most of them were failures and those reasons don't seem like they're going to apply to most of these players except are their quarterbacks going to get worse and that is a big concern for aj but isn't the the adp going to be a problem though yes I don't, I don't know because, like I'm saying, Juju Smith-Schuster had a similar ADP to A.J. Brown. He was wide receiver 18 in ADP as a sophomore. 
and he had 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. But like, they're all going in the same range. That's the problem. It's like all these guys are going to be around four, round five picks. Like they, for them to all hit to this level and be top whatever receivers, no, there's going to be a lot of. Fall I think off. only three of them are. I think it's AJ Brown. It's then, those three. Then McClure. Oh, okay, the 900 yard guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. but Metcalf's probably. Yeah, they are. You're right. They are all going to go fairly similarly. The difference between AJ Brown and McLaurin and Metcalf is that AJ Brown was a dominant collegiate player. The similarity between AJ Brown, DJ Moore, and Juju Smith-Schuster is they all had elite age-adjusted production in college. He's the same as those guys in that I'm willing to look past year one and just that efficiency. I don't see that as a negative. It will regress, but I see it as an extension of how good he was in college. Him and Metcalf played 20 games together. He had more receptions than 15, more yards than 17. He was an alpha alongside Metcalf in college, and then he was an alpha last year in, in the half season that he played. He's he's a superstar. Yeah, the the thing though, I think that could hold him back is is Tannehill. That's the only thing sure. that you That's gotta worry about is exactly. is well and Vrabel. Like they they don't play it. Like they could they could throw four hundred and eighty passes this year. I can give you more examples, by the way. Allen Robinson was wide receiver twenty five in ADP. He was wide receiver six that year. Jarvis Landry was wide receiver seventeen in ADP. He finished wide receiver eleven. Um, Jordan Matthews it got a little worse. He was wide receiver. You still 11. haven't got to the bottom half of the spreadsheet. Yet. I'm not, I don't have. Look, I <laughs> I totally acknowledge the failures, Heath. But most of the examples were positive ones. I it mean, was fifty fifty. No, it wasn't because it was ten to eight. First of all, you said it was nine to nine. It was ten to eight positive versus negative. But two of the eight were Michael Thomas and Mike Evans. Like they had amazing second seasons. They just had bad touchdown luck. They increased their yards. They were fine. Um, so I really think it was... Luck. Thomas just had his usual luck. I think it was 10 to 6. No, I think Thomas went down to like 6 touchdowns that year. That's his usual luck. No, he's usually 9. 10 to 6 to 2 is what I would say, Heath, in terms of... Sorry, Mike, Michael Thomas, if you're listening, I, I apologize. <laughs> I would say two of, the win, two of the wins were tied. I'll go 8 to 6 to 4. Ten, uh, okay, 8 to... 8, 6, 4. I'll, I'll agree to that. <laughs> If you take out four games of their sophomore season and you carry the one and then subtract seven. <laughs> I should just share Adam, the spreadsheet. It's a great Adam, spreadsheet. can't use week 10. Their opponent was coming off a bye. That's right. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but all of these guys from last year, including A.J. Brown, they had fewer targets than just about every other wide receiver that had a good rookie year. It was really weird. Um, and they still managed to do pretty well. Okay, so no time for tight end. So last thing here, we'll do tight end on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Shraggy B, make a note of that. Last thing here, tell me, Heath, in terms of regression candidates now, Odell Beckham, why he should actually go ahead of A.J. Brown in PPR. Um, OJ, Odell Beckham had a 3% touchdown rate last year, which is extreme. Like, that's running back low and well below the median for wide receivers, and he's always been elite at that, like that was one of the things that made him an elite wide receiver is how good he was in the red zone, how good he was at scoring touchdowns. And like, I don't care so much that he was hurt all year last year because he's been hurt almost all of his career. He's just always hurt. But I would just, he's going to score probably 75% more touchdowns. Like he scored four, I'd guess sevens like a floor. And that makes a big difference in where he finishes. Do you know what people would have said about Otto Beckham after his rookie season? They would have said you have to regress all that efficiency. There's just no <laughs> yeah. way he can do yeah. that again. And if you want to draft, like that, that's a good point. Like if you want to draft AJ Brown as if he's Odell Beckham, then just do that. 
It's okay to bet on him being Odell Beckham. And, and he did, to be clear, he, he did is. regress, but he was still amazing. Like, that's actually the point, and that's fair. I think he's just gotten down to the point. I think A.J. Brown is a bet that I want to make as a player who is already elite because of everything I said that goes back to college, not just the half season last year. And and a nice comparison is the quarterback situation because obviously Eli was, was playing out of the string. You know, at that point, he wasn't great. When Beckham came in to the league? 20, 2015. I mean, that was the start of the decline for Eli. Like, I think those were the Eli pretty years. much always been playing, huh? playing out the string. He had the kind of resurgence in the for in the two years with McAdoo as the no. He put up, he put up he put up decent numbers. And but, no, Heath. You know, in, ter- in terms of he in wasn't. terms of talent, you would say Tannehill and, and Eli Manning probably comparable. I would not say that. Oh my God, no, I at would not point, say that. Eli coming yes. off that Eli at that point in his career and Tannehill coming off the season he just had. I okay, Tannehill coming off the season he just had is different than like Tannehill. Eli He's Manning is good. Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying Tannehill is a borderline no, Hall of Fame. Eli Manning is saying. better. And less rushing upside than Tannehill. This I mean, is going to be a very bad tangent, and I apologize for bringing it up. All I was saying is that Tannehill is coming off a great season, uh-huh. and Manning was toward the end of his career. So quarterback comparison, not the greatest quarterback situation for those two receivers. That's true, except Beckham had, his wor- he had a really bad catch rate, too. I thought you might go there with the uh, regression. But boy, Baker Mayfield was so inaccurate last year. Um, but Baker Mayfield probably will increase that completion rate because it was much better. Beckham, as a the, thing, the, the thing you got to worry about is he, he's sharing the field with a ton of talent. If Landry's right and Hooper's there and Najoka's still going to play and the backs are awesome, it's going to be a running dominant team. I mean, that's the concern for me with Beckham. And he gutted out 16 games last year through a groin injury or core injury, whatever it was. He typically misses games. He's getting tougher. How about that? All right, that's it for the show. Good stuff. Your two wide receivers. What did we learn? Something about your two wide receivers, I think. AJ Brown's out of backup. That's what we learned. <laughs> I, I, I learned that Adam beat Ben in Super Tech That's Mobile. right. Oh, AJ Brown is someone we're going to talk a lot about. Wait, AJ Brown did go to the same school as Eli Manning, right? He did. There he we did. go. Yeah. And well, I, it's Ben's guy. Yeah, it was Adam's guy. It's a different story. Go look at the list of guys who have ever done tw- anything close to 12.5 yards per target on 80 or more targets and find me one player that's anywhere near that on 80 or more targets, not your Anthony Armstrong comparisons, that's not, that wasn't uh, an elite fantasy player in at least one season because the top 10 is just a list of Torrey Holtz and Julio Joneses and all these elite players. Love it. I just wonder if it's going to be year three as opposed to year two. It might be. That's the. If I think about how I could be wrong on Brown, it's what you said in the last call. And I, I on the last show, I keep calling him calls on the last show. And I wrote that in my article as well. It, it might be that he doesn't take a huge step forward in, in year two. But I feel so confident this guy's going to be an elite player five years from now. The, the, the path to that is Henry is still great. They still run the ball a ton. The Everything that you've laid out, the passing numbers are down. The run efficiency is great. And... Then Henry gets hurt, and they come back, or he leaves the team. They come back year three for Brown, and it's he's now their guy. Yep. And even in that scenario, Brown is a small loss on his ADP. I still think he'd be efficient in that type of offense, same play-action stuff going on. He would put up strong numbers. Typically, the sports line model that I've seen since we've been doing this, running projections, they don't usually adjust for a player like this and put him as high as they do. He's usually somebody that they kind of look at. They don't... They look more at like what Heath does, which is not a knock by any stretch of the full game numbers. You know, the fact that he wasn't involved as much early in the season and they spin that forward a little bit. I'm surprised like they haven't projected for 
93 targets, but 56 catches, 1,045, and six touchdowns. Well, listen, guys, yeah. our, our conference call has gone a little long, and someone else needs the room right <laughs> now. Uh, well, last thing, <laughs> it, it, like two of like the top four seasons above 80 targets all time are Jordy Nelson, Mike Wallace, AJ Brown, and Deshaun Jackson. Okay. I think Mike Wallace and Deshaun Jackson are the like the the concern area, the problem area. They're deep threats. Go read the rest of the list. Stephon Diggs, Eric Moulds. Moulds was great. Um, Tory Holt, Victor Cruz, mm. Michael Irvin, Tyree Kill, Kenny Stills. Like there's there's hits. Oh, there's. <laughs> You haven't even got to like the uh, Julio and then like Holt again. I mean, like none of those are even. You said bad, Kenny but... Stills. I mean, to, to Heath, Kenny Stills is yeah, Julio Jones. Adam, when would you take somewhere? Between, yeah, in non PPR, like Mike Wallace, Deshaun Jackson, Kenny Stills. Yeah, I I don't always love doing the in non versus in PPR, but I think he's probably the number one receiver affected most by it. In non PPR, he's a top thirty six pick. He's the end of round three. In full PPR, he's about six to eight picks later, mid round four. It's a lot like Kenny Galladay. Yeah, but like God, Calvin Ridley, God is awesome, and he probably outperformed projections last year, right? Because he is a huge yards per catch guy. He caught a lot of touchdowns. You know what? No, screw it. I'm I'm with Ben. I'm bullish on AJ Brown. Yes, he's a year two receiver. He's a late yeah. round three pick. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you skip Randy Moss on that list? What list? No, are you? I just stopped. All right, at you the guys have fun. I gotta go. Bye. Yeah, we got. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Have a fun Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with another edition of Fantasy Football.